0: is not my home oh this world is not my home my home's been made at heaven's throne this world is not my home My own Oh, this life is not Sometime and freedom slave. My Jesus raised me from the grave. Come now and walk with me. shall meet
1: come now and walk with
0: me I was bought when love was slain what high cost to pay death's wage now ransom down slave my Jesus raised me from the grave raised me from the grave now ransomed
2: like a
1: You know, what's cool is every soul that receives eternal life through Jesus experiences the miracle of salvation. And these testimonies move us so deeply because every one of us that has trusted Christ knows that we're only here by His grace. And if you're a Christian, you have a story. And your story is important. It's a testimony of faith. And I hope you'll remember that today. Thanks again for being here on Resurrection Sunday. Whether you're from here or from out of town, a regular attender or somebody who's here for the first time, we're glad that you're here on this Sunday. Two weeks from today, we're going to host our first ever Teacher Appreciation Sunday. And we're going to honor teachers from schools in Canyon County, all the schools in Canyon County. We have uh, kids here at church that go to Multiple schools here in this county, and we're inviting teachers from every school public, charter, private, uh, wherever kids go to school. And so, we want you to help with that if you could. There's a, a bulletin insert in your bulletin today that explains how you can help with that Sunday. I hope you'll be much in prayer for God's working. We have boys and girls who are inviting their teachers this week. And we have our, our staff going to visit with principals around the community. And would you do this? Make sure you invite every teacher you know with the special invitation cards that we have in the lobby, and you can grab those on your way out today. Well, each of the four Gospels in the New Testament contains a record of the miraculous resurrection of Jesus Christ. After having his body laid in the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, who was a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin, Jesus disappeared. History reminds us that his body has never been found. Skeptics have tried to find it. It's never been found, and it never will be found. The Roman seal on the rock tomb was broken, and the Roman soldiers went AWOL eyewitnesses, even multitudes, saw him alive. His apostles, the same ones we saw a couple weeks ago in our series that fled in the Garden of Gethsemane, found new courage and willingly offered their own lives as martyrs for their risen Lord. But you know, in the hours after he rose from the tomb, his followers didn't have nearly as much confidence They were full of questions. Where have you laid him? They were walking about in a daze, confused by the disappearance of his body from the tomb. The words of the women who had gone to the tomb seemed like idle tales to the apostles, the Bible says. They were despondent. This morning, let's turn to Luke chapter 24 as our text. And let's look at what happened hours after the resurrection. If you'd like to read up on the event of the resurrection itself, you can also look at Matthew 28 or Mark 16 or John chapter 20. But this morning in Luke chapter 24, and we're going to start our reading in verse 13. And before you settle in for the message, if you're physically able, would you stand for the reading today? get you up and move you about. We would not want you to fall asleep on Easter Sunday. I mean, just how horrible would that be? Luke 24, verse 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three square furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened, and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as you walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? They said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished. Which were early at the sepulchre, and when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken! Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake, and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them, In breaking of bread. Title of our message, Walking to Emmaus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for each person who's here today. I don't know them all by name. I don't know each of their stories. But you do. You fashioned them. You created their DNA. You made a way through Jesus Christ where each of them could have eternal life. I pray that you would give us clarity today of your truth. Help us to understand exactly what you would have us to have from this message. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I love Easter Sunday. It's always so fun to see all the little girls in their pretty dresses and the boys who get mad because they have to wear a tie. Right, Dad, I don't like a tie. Yeah, um, they got to wear the tie. You know, out of all the places he could have gone, and all the people he could have seen on the afternoon of his resurrection, think about this: Jesus chose to walk on this road, the road to Emmaus, with these two disciples. How special were they? Jesus chose to walk with these two people for seven and a half miles. Let's see why as we get into the message here this morning. The notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. Let's go into the passage and see first, Jesus is our Redeemer. Jesus is our Redeemer. And we'll get back into the passage and look at a specific verse on this. I'm sure you have a mental picture of this incident or this event, something that you've already thought about as we read through the passage. Cleopas and his friend, we don't even know what his friend's name was, were walking the seven and a half miles from Jerusalem out to Emmaus on the first day of the week. The first day of the week was nothing special in Jewish religion. They worshipped on the last day of the week. They rested on the seventh day. But on this first day of the week, everything in their world was turned upside down. Everything had changed. I know that some of you are runners and you run in things like Roby Creek. God bless you. Um, Or maybe you walk every once in a while. Uh, How many would claim to at least walk to the refrigerator? Okay, that's good How many of you uh, are walkers You walk a mile or two a week Okay, any, any runners out there You like to run Oh yeah Okay, that's not me I have bad knees I've had them ever since I was 12 And I had to run a race And the coach said run And I said I have bad knees And I, they've always been bad since then So I don't know what happened <clears throat> How long does it take To walk a mile 20 minutes? If you're walking fast, like you're doing the deal they do in the Olympics, what's, you know, the weird walk. How long does it take to walk? Does it take 20 minutes? What if you walk everywhere all the time, how long would it take? Like if you're that practiced. 12, 15 minutes maybe? Think about that these two men walked on a road with Jesus For seven and a half miles. And we're going to walk through this passage and see all the events that took place. Here they were both as discouraged as they could possibly be, trying to put all the pieces together of the last few days in their minds. And as they're walking and they're talking, a fast moving stranger came up behind them and joined the conversation started walking with them. He didn't say, on your left, on your left, on your left. He walked with them. Now, you have to be a runner to even get that joke, and apparently we have very few runners in here. But he, he stood with them, and he walked, and as they strided down that dirt pathway, he opens up with, boy, you guys sure look sad today. What's going on? And they both looked at him like he just dropped out of Mars. What do you mean, what's going on? Have you not been in the country for the last week? Do you not read the paper? You don't have Fox News? Or you don't know about the things that have come to pass? And he said, What things? Let's pick it up here in verse number nineteen. And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet. Notice that word, was. Which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Now look at this. But we trusted. Past tense. We trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. He was a prophet. And we trusted that he was the one that should have redeemed Israel. We thought this Jesus was the real thing, the Redeemer of Israel. We thought he had come to save us. But now we have some big-time doubts And these men were disappointed because they felt that Jesus had let them down in the area of redemption. Now we all know the end of the story and we know that he hadn't let them down. He was in fact walking next to them. Obviously with him on the road beside them, he had just defeated death and hell. He was walking with them as the risen Savior of mankind And it turns out that what they thought was wrong. It turns out that it was just a lack of faith on their part. They didn't have clear faith vision. I could pretty much guarantee that every person in this room has been disappointed with God at some time in your life. Truth is, God has never let anyone down. Not once. He's always faithful and strong. He's always good to his children and good to his word. And every single time we've ever questioned God's working or God's plan, it has been a lack of faith on our part. We're the ones missing the big picture. The big picture was and is that Jesus is our Redeemer. So they trusted that He had been, that that was kind of the plan, that's where it was going, and Jesus showed up, and He said, I am the Redeemer. And when they know who He is in a while, they're going to figure it out too. His death and resurrection fulfill the primary need for every human on the planet. you know, so many people don't look at their primary need They look at their pressing needs. They look at the needs for here and now. The ones that affect their daily lives and their families and their finances, their workplaces, their nation. They see the pressing needs. And they miss the primary need. Today, as we gather in this room, for every one of us, Our first and foremost need is a Redeemer. That's what we need. It is our greatest need. You can be ultra successful by this world's standards, but you still need a Redeemer. You can be wealthy and wise with a wholesome reputation, you still need a Redeemer. You could be self aware and have high self esteem and have great goals. But you still need a redeemer. It is your primary need. These two men said, we thought that Jesus of Nazareth was here to redeem Israel. And Jesus walked to Emmaus to prove to them that they could know redemption through him. That's why he's on the road. He walked to Emmaus to help them through their doubt. And so Jesus Is the Redeemer. But then we see this second thing Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus walked with them, listening as they continued their story. So, anyway, it's been three days since all this happened. And some of the women from church went to the grave this morning. They freaked us all out. They came running in saying that his body was missing. And they said they saw angels who told them he's alive. So some of the guys ran down there to check it out. Sure enough, his body was missing. But we didn't see Jesus anywhere. And the stranger continued to walk with them on the road to Emmaus. He hadn't said anything since he asked them the first question. Look at verse 22. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so, as the women had said, but him they saw not. You know, Cleopas and his friend, whatever his name was, had an opinion about the resurrection. Walking on the road to Emmaus, right then, they had an opinion on the resurrection. Do you know what their opinion was based on? Their feelings. It was based on their feelings and it was based on their phenomena. Everything that they could sense. Everything they knew in their minds. Everything they knew from the information around the group of people. That was their opinion. They said, we're not sure what happened, but resurrection is not at the top of our list. Now, these are men who had followed Jesus. They had seen his miracles, and yet they said, listen, we don't know what happened. We don't know where his body was. We don't know where it is. But this resurrection thing is not high up on our thoughts. Here they were, walking on the road. And I have to let you know, and I think you already know, that people from global locations and religions have opinions about a resurrected Christ. You know what it normally comes from? It comes from the group of people where they grew up. That's what most people think about Jesus Christ. It comes from the religion they were born into. It comes from the family they were born into. It comes from the education they receive. And so everybody has a thought about the resurrection. As I tell you what some of the various ideas are, I want you to know that I'm not bashing on the sincerity of anyone's faith. I'm going to go through several ideas that are around the world so that I can make a very important point in just a second. I want you to think about Hindus. Hindus. Hindus are willing to add Jesus to their list of hundreds of millions of gods. But they don't recognize the, rec- the resurrection of Jesus in any of their literature. They don't res- recognize Jesus in any of their gods list, the Hindus. The Buddhists feel like Jesus was a wise man because he taught similar things to the Buddha. But his resurrection is not addressed in any of their system. Muslims say that Jesus is a prophet, like Abraham. But he's a prophet that was superseded by Muhammad. Jesus taught some nice things as a man. But even on the road to Calvary, he was taken out and substituted with a common criminal. Jesus never died on the cross. He certainly didn't rise from the tomb. That's what the Muslims say. Jehovah Witnesses recognize that Jesus died and rose again, but not as God the Son. Instead, they say he was Michael the Archangel. The Mormon group says that Jesus was one of the spirit beings that all human beings used to be. He grew to godliness and died To provide a model for living. And they say that he's resurrected. His death and resurrection are important. But to get atonement, you have to do all you can do above and beyond Christ's sacrifice. Evangelical Christians, what do they say? Well, they say that Jesus is God in the flesh. Second person of the Trinity. Fully God and fully man. Crucified Lamb of Glory and risen Savior. And there are ideas from all over the place. I just gave you a few. It's kind of easy to understand where there could be some confusion on this. Where people don't really know what to think. And it's easy to get hung up on what various groups or religions say. But could I be blunt with you on this Easter Sunday? Whether or not Jesus died and rose again is not based on what anybody believes. It's not. No matter what we believe about it, the truth is unchanged. The truth needs no human stamp of approval. He is risen indeed. I hear people say things like, well, no matter what you believe... Faith is what counts. Can I tell you that's as bogus as it gets? See, the object of your faith is even more important than your faith. Faith means absolutely nothing if it's not in the right thing or the right person. There are people who don't believe in the resurrection. You know why? Because their college professor told them the idea was stupid. Or because their dad was a drunk. Or because their mom had depression. Or because their neighbor is a hypocrite. Or because they grew up in church, but they never got anything out of it. Or they read something on the internet about how it's all fake anyway. How it's a myth. You know, those opinions do not change the truth. All those opinions. Google resurrection. And no matter what those millions of hits say, it doesn't change the truth. Not one bit. Not one iota. Folks, we don't believe in the resurrection because of what we've been told by a human being. We don't believe in the resurrection because the Pope said that Jesus rose from the tomb. We don't believe in the resurrection because Billy Graham said it or because Rick Warren said it or because Joel Osteen said it or because any other human being said it. We believe in the resurrection because of one thing. Jesus is alive. It doesn't matter who signs on to that. Some of his disciples even struggled with it. On the day of the event, It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what church you go to or you've been to. It doesn't matter what your family background is. Nothing about me or you and our feelings or our opinions changes the truth that Jesus is alive. In other words, Jesus is alive whether I believe it or not. There used to be a bumper sticker when I was a kid, and you see it every once in a while. Here's what it said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Remember that one? If you were around. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Man, you think, that's great. And they even wrote songs that sang the, you know, you get southern gospel twangers that get up and sing the, Right? God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I mean, it's something like that, right? With guitar in the background. i to tell you that's completely false. You know why it's false? Because it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. God said it. That settles it. God said it. That's the end of the story. If you believe it, that's great. But if you don't, it's still settled jesus is alive whether your college professor believes or not jesus is alive no matter what you or anyone else feels thinks or believes and i'm here to tell you that the man who had followed jesus for years were struggling to believe on the very day he had risen we're going to see in a while as they race back into Jerusalem and rush into the meeting of disciples with these words, The Lord is risen indeed. But you know, he was alive before they believed it. Isn't that unique? He was alive before they believed it. And he was just as alive after they believed it. His resurrection had nothing to do with what they believed. And his resurrection has nothing to do with where you go to church. His resurrection has nothing to do with your church background, with your family situation, with the economy you grew up in. His resurrection was around before you were a thought on this planet. And the truth of his resurrection is going to be around after you leave this planet. Jesus is alive. If you walked into the building this morning there was an elephant in the room. You wouldn't need anyone to give an opinion on whether or not there was an elephant in the room. Right? And you have two guys that are teenagers, well, I think that's an elephant. I'm not sure. It could be somebody pulling a 3D trick on us, right? And uh, you'd have opinions everywhere. And everybody's got an opinion on this. But even if they gave an opinion, it wouldn't matter because you know the truth. Opinions are a dime a dozen. People have been giving opinions for thousands of years. And they've been giving opinions for thousands of years dogmatically. Like they know. And when you hear him talking, whoa, he sounds like he knows the truth. You know, there's been a lot of people who sounded like they knew the truth, who have been completely insane. Some of them were politicians, Not to be rude to politicians, but they always sound like they've got everything figured out. Well, we're going to do this after the next election. We're going to make this happen. Really? Opinions are a dime a dozen. Whether or not Jesus is alive does not rest on an opinion. In fact, Jesus is alive is independent of any opinion that's ever been given. That's the elephant in the room today. And your eternity depends on what you do with the information. Because God's given it to us. Let's look a little further. Jesus begins to speak back to them in this next section. And we say, Jesus desires relationship with us. The third part of the message. Jesus desires relationship with us. Jesus finally opened his mouth and gave them some truth. Look at verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You ever talk to somebody for an hour? it seemed like it had only been five minutes I remember when I first met my wife who was not my wife then she lived in a college dormitory and there was a limit on the number of minutes that they could talk on the payphone. tells you what era we were in back then and so you'd call and get a busy signal some dumb girl's on the phone I gotta get through and I delivered pizza and a for Domino's back then. And so what I would do is I would make a delivery, and then I would sneak into a, a gas station parking lot with one of those cool pay phones that was standing on a pole that you could grab the phone and put it inside of your car. You guys remember these? This was before cell phones, kids. You guys with me still? Pay phone, rotary phone. Anybody? But anyway, so you pull in, and then dial, I'd dial again. And I'd get a busy signal. And so I'd go make another delivery, and I'd pull into the parking lot. And, I'd, and then i finally get through, and I'd talk to her. And we'd be talking, and she said, my time's up. Your time's up? What are you talking about? We just started talking. We just said, hello. How could your time be up? Well, they've got a clock right here, and there's a dorm supervisor standing behind me, telling me, your time's up. Your time's up. <laughs> if I don't get off the phone right now, I'm going to get Demerits. Okay, well, get off then. But you know, the time flew by. It was so fast because you were interested in what was being said. You ever heard a sermon that seemed like the preacher had just started and you look at your watch and it's been 45 minutes? You say, not at this church, I hadn't. <laughs> you guys are so kind, huh? I care about you. You know, the talk that Jesus gave on this hour and a half walk or this two-hour walk, it's one of the talks I want to hear in heaven. It's one of the ones that I want to say, pull the recording. I want to hear that one. Because if you look at verse 28, look what it says. And they drew an eye unto the village, whether they went. Let's start back in verse 27, sorry. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets... He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus gave them a personalized message about himself. That's a highlight. That's something big. And they get to the village and he made like he was going to go further. And they said, would you stay? Would you please stay? It's getting toward evening. The Bible says at the end of verse 29, and he went in to tarry with them. He went in to tarry with them. Consider this the God of creation in human form walked on the road to Emmaus that day simply to boost the faith of two confused doubters. That's why he went. Just like he wanted to help those men in their faith, even so he wants to have a relationship with you. Why? Because he loves you. It moves Jesus to see your doubt and your pain. Now, he might have to show up and speak to you with some tough love, like he did these guys. Look what he said to them. You guys are acting like fools. You're slow of heart to have the right kind of faith. Did Jesus say that out of disgust? No way. He said that as a father cherishes his child. You ever had to call one of your kids in and say, Hey, knucklehead, let's have a talk. Why do we need to have a talk, Dad? Because I love you. And I love you so much that I'm going to tell you what happens. You do this the next time. And we have to love each other sometimes in a harsh way. Might seem like Jesus walks up with these guys. They said, You guys, I'm telling you, your questions are already answered. You are a slow of heart to believe. Jesus loved them. How do you know? Because he walked with them. If he didn't love them, he wouldn't have been there. But the whole while he walked, they didn't even recognize his presence. Can I tell you at the hardest moment of your life, Jesus was right there. You may not have realized it, but he was there. You may not have known his presence, but he was there. One of my favorite Bible characters is Joseph, the Old Testament Joseph. The one whose own brothers sold him as a slave. And as he is sold as a slave, lied about by his boss's wife, put in prison for two years, he never hears from God. And you would think, goodness gracious, he must think that God didn't care about him. And yet God was there the whole time, engineering exactly what would take place. One of my favorite promises in a, is in Isaiah 43. It says, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. God wants a relationship with you through the person of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus came to be the path for mankind to have a relationship with God. You might say, well, pastor, I'm confused. I'm not sure what the truth really is about God. People are telling me that God's not real. My church has a different teaching. I don't know if God even exists. Would you do this? Would you challenge God? Say, God, if you're real, show me. If you're real, show me. Tell him you're willing to search for truth. Any person who has ever done that with an open heart has found out He's as real as it gets. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the miracle working God. He makes all things new. He wants a relationship with you, just like He did with these men. Next thing is this in verse 30 Jesus makes our hearts burn. They go into the house and they sit down to eat, and they still don't know they're with the risen Savior. But in spite of their anxiety, they talked with the stranger, and this talk that they'd had with him made them feel a lot better about what was going on. All of a sudden, they were hungry again. And then Jesus prayed for the food. Pretty sure it wasn't a God is great, God is good, let us thank him for the food type of prayer. Because the moment he prayed and break the bread, their eyes were opened. And they knew who was there. And they knew who'd been there. And they realized, we are idiots. We have been walking for seven and a half miles with the Son of God, and we didn't even know it. Verse 30. It came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. Look what they said to each other. Did not our hearts burn within us? While he talked with us, by the way. And while he opened to us the scriptures. Immediately their eyes were open. They realized who the stranger was. They had been walking with the glorified Christ. He sat at their table. He communed with them. There's no person or thing that can bring the spark to the heart that Jesus brings. Every spark on this earth is temporary. That new four-wheeler will fire you up for a little while. That girlfriend or boyfriend will give you butterflies in your tummy for a little while. That inheritance that your uncle left will raise your spirits for a little while. That winning touchdown pass in the big game will boost your confidence for a little while. But when you're 38, and you have a beer belly, and you're still talking about that pass, everybody knows it's not really lighting your fire anymore. We have a lot of temporary things that may make us excited. But you know, there's the real thing. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. A well of waters springing up into everlasting life. You know, the woman at the well said to Jesus, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. Give me this water that I thirst not a relationship with Jesus Christ will make your heart burn indefinitely. Day after day, again and again, his mercies are new every morning. Hebrews 12 describes God as a consuming fire. That can either be good or bad. If he's the fire of judgment on your sin because you refuse to accept his death and resurrection, that's as bad as it possibly gets. But if he's the fire that warms your heart and cheers your soul and lights your path, that's as good as it possibly gets. Satisfaction with Jesus Christ is the greatest potion available to the human soul. And if you've ever received Jesus into your life, you know it's true. Everything changed. All things became new. The moment you accepted the gift of eternal life. Everything in you changed, but look at verse thirty-three, and we see this final part. Jesus moves us to action. Jesus moves up to action. moves moves us to action. Verse thirty-three, and they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, "The Lord is risen indeed." That appeared to Simon, and they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. We mentioned earlier that Cleopas and his friend immediately rose up and rushed back to Jerusalem. The reality of a risen Christ moved them into action mode. They hiked up their robes, and they put on their running sandals, and they burst into the room of Jesus' disciples with the news. Christianity is not a theory, it's not a religion. It's not a book of doctrine or a set of rules. It's not a mode of worship that's put together by men. Christianity is the person of Jesus Christ risen from the tomb. 2,000 years later, the event of the gospel still moves us to action. You know, religion calls for people to act in order to earn their place with God. A lot of people who sit in churches today would say, we believe in the resurrection. Now what do we have to do to become children of God? You know, the resurrection proves that it's been done for you. All you have to do is accept Jesus Christ. There's this thought out there like, well, what can I do to become a Christian? If there was something you could have do, Jesus didn't need to come. You know, well, what about getting baptized? If you could get to heaven by getting wed, pretty sure Jesus didn't have to come. What about if I light some candles? Pretty sure Jesus didn't need to come for that to happen. Jesus came. He suffered, he bled, and he died, and he rose again to offer new Life to whosoever will. That's us. Anybody who calls on his name for salvation. These men who walked on the road to Emmaus that day were the first of an innumerable group of Christ followers that would go forward to turn the world upside down. They went into all the world to preach the gospel for one reason. You know what the reason was? They saw the risen Savior. John, the beloved disciple, said it this way in First John. I love this. Right at the beginning of First John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. You know, the reality of a risen Savior is the greatest call to action there's ever been. That's why John went on to say in 1 John 2, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? Wow. You know what he goes on to say? He is anti-Christ that believeth not in the Son. He's anti-Christ. That's a big word. That's a horrible word. But in chapter 5, he says it this way. This is so plain, and I love this. 1 John 5 verse number 11, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I don't know how it gets any more plain. I don't know how it could be any more simple then he who has the Son has life. Jesus is alive. No matter what you think or believe. It's your right to disagree with the truth of a risen Savior. As you sit here today, it is your right to disagree with Jesus Christ. But please know that denying the gospel guarantees you eternal death. It's what you were already born into. You were born condemned already. And you added on to that by choosing to be a sinner. You say, I'm not a sinner. Have you ever told a lie? You ever had a wicked thought? You ever feel like killing your brother? If you have one, you did. We're all sinners. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And if we die without Christ, we'll spend all eternity without him. That's not me being hateful to you. That's me telling you that God loves you so much that he sent his only son to die on a wooden cross for your sins. Jesus, by his resurrection, defeated death and offers to anyone who will ask the gift of eternal life. Let's bow in prayer this morning. As we bow, I'd like to ask you to respond to God's truth in your heart today. Casey's going to sing a special invitation song today about how love wins. And I hope during that time that you will ask yourself some questions. Easter is a great time. It's a fun time. I know you're here to celebrate. I know that it's a special time to dress up and to, to be with friends, to be with family. But you know, Easter is really about the fact that Jesus loves you. and He came to this earth to die for your sins. And maybe you're here today, and honestly, in your heart, as you've heard this message, you would say in your own heart, Pastor, I don't know that I'm a child of God. I don't know if I died right now that I'd spend eternity with God. I want you to know that we can take the Word of God this morning. We can show you how you can know that. And at the end of this song today, I'm going to pray a prayer where you can ask Jesus Christ in your heart and life. Father, would you work now during this time of invitation as we invite Christians who would like to come and pray, who would like to thank you for what you've done and thank you for the glorification of your resurrection. We'd like to invite anyone who would like to be presented with the gospel to come as well. Pray that you'd guide now during this time. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand as you stand? He's going to sing.